You have a collect call from an inmate at a federal prison. To accept this call, press 5 now. Hi, everybody. Chris here. I think a lot of fans of the show might remember that about a year and a half ago. I spoke to someone. It was a mind-blowing conversation. This person was about to head to a federal prison to begin a four-year incarceration. And last year, followed up with her while she was in prison on beautiful follow-ups. And guess what? Spoke with her again recently. When other people ask you, hey, what are you in for? And you tell them some of the stories you told me in our first call. Oh boy, I forgot that was coming. I keep forgetting that's coming. (laughs) When you tell people some of the stories you told me, which, which I think you're the first to admit, some really dark, horrible stuff, are they shocked? People typically don't ask what you're in for. It's kind of, it's kind oh, of yes. rude. Typically what they'll say is money or drugs. Are you here on white collar money or are you in for drugs? And people are shocked that I'm not here for money. <laughs> <laughs> That's a clip from the first episode of season two of Beautiful Follow-Ups. Came out last week on Stitcher Premium. For the next seven Fridays, we're releasing a new follow-up call every single week. It's going to be callers that you guys have known and loved over the years. We're going to see how they're doing. You want to listen? Go to stitcherpremium.com. Sign up with the promo code STORIES. You get a free month of premium that lets you listen to Beautiful Anonymous's whole back catalogs without ads, a whole bunch of touring shows you can't get anywhere else. It really supports the show in a huge way. And, of course, you get to access both last year's beautiful follow-ups as well as a whole new batch that's coming down the pike. That's stitcherpremium.com, promo code STORIES. Hello to all my burrito robots. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. It's beautiful anonymous. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard. So grateful that I get to host this show. As you just heard in the pre-roll, Beautiful Follow-Ups is back. Follow-up calls with some classic callers. We came out of the gate with Prison Bound, who's been in prison for 15 months now. So sign up for Stitcher Premium. Use the promo code STORIES. Get a free month. Have to say, the Motor City Mayhem call from last week, our Detroit Live show, it went over huge. I thank you guys for the support. I noticed it spreading a little further and, and wider than a lot of our episodes tend to. A lot of chatter and feedback on social media and so many wonderful comments in the the beautiful anonymous facebook group it was so funny to read people were really laughing hard at that one a lot of people said it was good to see some some guys who are unapologetic bros but that it, they weren't toxic that that that's you know i think that is getting rarer and rarer to see in the world quite cool and there was a line that someone called out from the show and it made me laugh Really hard too. Someone, it was much in the same way that those two connected via their murdered fathers. We connected via our love of pickling. And of course, everybody likes the phrase goosey bumpies. Now, on a serious note, the caller mentioned there's involvement at a camp that helps grieving kids. And we just wanted to take a second to let you guys know ourhouse-grief.org. That is where you can check out this organization. It's ourhouse-grief.org and the Night for Hope, which you can click on. That's uh, something that our callers were directly involved in. Now, this week's call is one I am built to love. It's about pro wrestling, which is an art form and a type of entertainment I've loved since I was five years old. I come and go on watching regularly, but man, I love it, swear by it. I think it's fascinating. This caller is starting out as a professional wrestler. This world that's tougher than I think any listeners realize. This world that has so many hidden traditions, so many tough aspects. This world that breaks you, not just physically, but mentally. This caller's right at the beginning of this journey because he is chasing a dream. Sorry, I just said Jersey instead of journey, but Jersey's always on my mind. Anyway, enjoy this conversation. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. How's it going? That's great. Doing all right. How are you? Good. I'm losing my voice a little bit, so you have to pardon me on that. I, I'm going to see if I can hold out for I, the full hour. I got you. Like, 
I know exactly why you're losing your voice, because you performed in Chicago last night, and I was there. You were there? <laughs> yes, I was, actually. Were you at the early show or the late show? Late show. Ah, that's good. I felt like that show was good. That early show, the crowd was a little bit hotter. Felt like... Uh, my my uh, the guy yeah. who the guy who came on the road with me who was co-hosting the show foolishly ate an edible before going on stage and then had to admit on stage it was hitting right. him way harder and faster than he anticipated. Oh yeah, for sure. I was like, in midway through the set, he's like, uh, "I'm legit high right now. I cannot do this anymore." Yeah, I, I think like, his I his plan was like, "I'll eat it now. It'll kick in as I get off stage." Nope. It, it, uh, but I'm not trying to blame him. I felt good. I felt good. It was a fun show. That was a fun late show. I liked it. Yeah, yeah it was really fun. It was actually kind of funny because you walk in and like, I think early on people started to notice like, oh, wait, there's not that many seats. So everybody was like, oh, can I, like, where can I lean? Oh, let me try to go to the back. And everybody who listens to the show probably already is already like, oh, I need to go to the back. I don't want to be seen. But right, right. It was really funny. Like just everybody like, in this weird state of confusion, like, uh... Well, it's nice to it talk really to you. Cool. It was really good show. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. And you can hear, my actually, my voice is actually, I think, bouncing back compared to where it was at in the show yesterday. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. You, you sound normal. Good. It's, that's it's really weird to say, but you sound normal. That's Thank normal. you. Everybody loves hearing that, right? You're coming off normal. That's always a nice thing to hear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, usually, usually. Yeah, although um, normal is overrated. Normal is very overrated. Oh, yeah, I can definitely relate to that because I have uh, very unnormal aspirations. What are we talking here? Um, It's something that you're very familiar with. Uh, it's professional wrestling. I'm actually surprised that I'm the first person to even, like, talk about this at all. You're telling me you want to be a professional wrestler? Uh, yes. Hell yes. This is a dream episode for me. This is a dream <laughs> to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually uh, just quite a quite a wild wild ride, and I'm like, just like really, it's a very interesting life. No one truly understands uh, why you do it or how you do it, and it's really hard because like when you try to explain it to somebody like oh you do wrestling like mma and it's like no I, uh the rock you know do you know what the the rock used to, oh yeah that 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 kind and like oh oh i didn't know that was a thing and it's just like uh okay wow but yep that's uh how long you've been training like, for it are you like already out on the circuit or are you still uh training I, uh, so I trained in like late, uh, 2016, early 2017. Uh, and then I've pretty much been, uh, on and off around the circuit cause I'm still a green boy. So I was just trying to pay my dues and all that stuff. So yeah, pretty much. Wow. So I've been doing class for years. Yep. Now let me ask you a question. I mean, I mean, no offense by this. Um, I promise you, but just to explain, so when you say you're a green boy who's paying your dues, does this mean you're jobbing for other people at this phase in your career? Which I do not judge. Oh, no. Like, uh, I would I would love, like, like, as far as, like, that kind of stuff, but I'm just going on, like, indies or little indies because uh, I'm mostly new and you can't really get into, like, the PWGs or, like, the really big indie scenes. Right, right. Um, so, like, really experienced and stuff and i'm still like trying to figure it all out so i do like little shows and all that yeah but, uh sometimes it's literally just hey what's up to a promoter and then you're helping set up the ring and which i'm glad to do because i i love it i i love this this business and you know if that's what you gotta dues. do to Yep. I love it. For anybody listening, when I ask jobbing, there's a term in wrestling called uh, jobbers, and these are guys who kind of go in and just someone bigger will yeah. come in and kick the and shit out of them. Talent. Just hand them their ass. And sometimes these guys, I mean, a lot of these guys from my childhood, these jobbers like Iron Mike Sharp, Dusty Wolf, actually were guys that were pretty beloved and uh, could, oh, yeah. could add a lot, like their ability to just 
get the shit beat out of them, could make other guys look really big and badass and strong. So being a jobber, there's no shame in it. But sometimes my understanding is when guys are starting out, sometimes, you know, if a, if a more established name is passing through a smaller league, they might go, well, we're just going to feed, feed you a new guy so you right. can beat the hell out of them and look like a monster. Yeah, and if you can help that guy look look like a monster, then it helps you eventually in the long run. Cause it's like, hey, you know what, that guy, that guy was good to me. That you know, there, there's no heat involved, and you're like, you know what, that guy was good. He was very professional, you know. Yeah. And then maybe it helps works out for you later on in life or whatever. So. Now I have so yeah. many questions for you. So many questions. I uh, first thing though, you were at the Late Show last night. Did you know Colt Cabana was also there? Uh, I I saw him and I was like, oh, it's it's Coke Vanna. And then I was like, uh, I'm not like I don't usually wrestle around the Chicago area. And also he's like effing legend. So I was like, ah, shit, that's Coke. And I was like, ah, I, I can't talk to him. You he's but the I, nicest he, guy in the world. You should have said hi. He's one of my good friends in this world. I know I should have said hi, but it was just one of those things where I was like, yeah. Maybe in the future. Let's Maybe ex- in the future. I think it'd be like, cool. Let's explain for anybody listening. Colt Cabana is a wrestler who, he. it's funny. We once were both cast to do this like comedy wrestling-based video that didn't ever come out. And then years later, he reached out to me. And he was like, dude, I don't know if you remember me, but where you're at in comedy is kind of exactly where I'm at in wrestling. I had been booked on a sitcom and it bombed and he had gotten called up to the WWE and very quickly kind of bombed and was shuffled out. And I started my public access TV show to just kind of empower myself. And he wound up starting a uh, a podcast that's great. It's called The Art of Wrestling. And it blew up. And the idea of indie wrestling right now, it's like a very hip, cool thing. And a lot of people have actually given him a lot of credit and said that his podcast just made that world feel so interesting and accessible. And a lot of people say that Colt is one of the people who's really responsible for indie wrestling having this resurgence right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, too, is, like, in this podcast, sometimes he, like, does, like, deep dives on, like, the craziest stuff that happens at these shows. And you would, and people who don't even go to wrestling shows, are they'd be like, what this happens at a wrestling show why and i need to go for some reason i have no idea why but i need to go and like he and he also has like wrestlers that jump onto the podcast and then deep dives into their personal lives and it's just like that's crazy i had no idea like any of that stuff so yeah he's really cool man well next time you call it you go up to colt you tell him you're a fan of my stuff he'll be nice to you i slept on the man's couch last night like we're friends you got an in you, t- you tell him next time. Gethard said I should name drop. Now, wait, let's get into it. Oh, God, where do I even start? Okay, first things first. What inspired you to want to become a pro wrestler? Who are the wrestlers you loved coming up? Why did you decide to go into this lifestyle? Because it's a very specific and tough lifestyle. Yeah, so um, when I was a kid, I, I should uh, say that I am tw- 23 years old. Okay. So pretty young, so- I, I was not around for like the attitude, like like the late '90s. I was more like early 2000s when like Eddie was Eddie was big and prominent. And Eddie Guerrero, guys, like Brockland. You're talking Eddie yeah. Guerrero, one of the greatest of all time. Rest in peace. Oh yeah, thank thank for the network, just because uh, like I get to watch every match of his now, or like most of them, even from like the '90s and everything. And it's just like what I he was even better like uh just everything and then there's uh uh guys like the rock he's like pretty much the reason i was like super enthralled with wrestling just his character and his promos and just like everything about him was just like cool and i like aspired to be him because i wasn't cool and i was like oh god he just he walks in the room and then just 20,000 people are going crazy. And now he walks in a room and it's like millions of people go crazy now. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I was a huge fan of it. And then I think it was like early 2016, uh, a pro wrestler um, had his like retirement. Uh, Daniel Bryan had his like first retirement. Mm-hmm. And he was just talking about how much he like loved 
the business and everything and like what it gave for him and like just this feeling of like going out there and performing in front of a crowd and like showing your art and like having people like love it and everything. I'm like, you know what, man, I, I want to do it. I want to, I want to try it. I want to try it. So I think it was literally the next day I applied to a wrestling school because it's way easier now than it was in like the eighties or nineties. You would have to look at like, like be walking in town and like see a poster. It's like wrestling trading for 500. Or, like, it's like, what? But, um, yeah, I like applied to a wrestling school and literally, I think it was seven, eight months after that, was like learning how to uh, bump slash lay, uh, fall flat on my back for the first time. So it was kind of crazy. Okay. And <laughs> let, let's start, because I do love, there's all these stories. My favorite era of wrestling, I, I, I started watching when I was real young, and I was, I'm much older than you. So I was watching during the rock and wrestling era when, when Vince first went national with Hulk Hogan. Junkyard Dog, Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, that whole era. But I really love the right. territory era. And you're, you're kind of talking about, like, it was really hard to find wrestling schools. There's all these stories. A lot of wrestlers have stories where it's like, yeah, I was working out at a regular gym, and somebody approached me and was like, you should be a wrestler, and, like, brought me to the wrestling school that no one knows about. Now you can just sign up. Right. That's nice. Talk to me, though. Yeah. A lot of people listening to this are going, why are these two so enthralled with it? It's a fake sport. Talk me there. You just said you take bumps, which is the art of falling. We do that in jujitsu as well. It's actually shocking how much technique needs to go into falling and staying safe. Talk to me about the training. How difficult does it get? Because there's a lot of legendary stories about places like the Dungeon, a few other schools, Vern Gagne's school, where people, like high-level athletes, would show up there and not be able to hack it because it's so brutal sometimes. What's your experience with wrestling oh. training been like? Oh man. So I remember, uh, so there was a, a house that was like set up kind of like a fraternity house and it had a bunch of like old graduates from the wrestling school that I went to. And I was like, uh, I was an idiot. And so I applied like a month. Uh, I like moved into the house a month before the, my training was going to uh, initially start. So I was like, all right. Uh, hi, everybody. And everybody's just kind of giving you the, who's this guy? Because I was like, I'm 5'10", and I was like around 290 pounds. So I'm like your average-looking wrestling fan just walking in. And it's just like, oh, man, who is this guy? Is he going to hack it? Just like you were saying, is he going to hack what? He doesn't even know what's coming to him. And so they would just be like all hanging out with each other and like not taking me seriously. I was just like, man, I, all right, well, I gotta see. And then that, I remember that first day, that was a nightmare. Like, uh, it was like at seven o'clock at night. I'm trying to be very anonymous with it because I don't want to like spoil, uh, where I was working, but it was like a conditioning day and we were just doing no, no wrestling ring. There wasn't, you know, initial like open the doors that first day. And it's like, oh, wow, the one thing that I've been dreaming of my entire life is, like, right in front of me, and I, I can step foot in the ring. I was like, nope, we're going to do a bunch of air squats, lunges, like 500 air squats, a bunch of lunges, a lot of running, a lot of burpees, a lot of this, that, and it was, like, like pretty much, like, a six hours of, like, solid boot camp style <laughs> just training. It was, like, brutal, and I was like, oh, you got to be and there was at one point where I was telling one of the guys that I was roommates with, I was like, dude, I think I'm going to pee right now. Like, I, if I can't go to the bathroom, he's like, dude, then piss yourself. And I was like, I am not, I can't do that. That's going to be embarrassing. I want to do this. And so I, uh, literally, I just like held it in. It was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like thinking the entire time we're doing bear crawls. And like, oh my God, I'm about, I'm like, and then I, at one point, we had like a stoppage. He's like, "Does anybody have any questions?" I, like, I need to take a piss. I knew I'm. So, I am about to lose it. And he's like, "Go, go, go!" And I'm like running, but my legs are tramping. So I'm just like the worst run you've ever seen in your entire life. Just going into this bathroom and just ah. And then, uh, like you were saying, uh, with athletes and everything, there was like a bunch of athletic dudes that were there too. And literally, there was just uh, 
German that was there that uh, was one of, like one of the new guys too, and he just in the trash can all just a just like throws up violently, super violently, just awful in the trash can. It's just like, oh man! So this is the first day of professional wrestling training. This is fantastic. I love what I got myself into. But then uh, the second day, you start to learn how to like do rolls, and you're like. Why are we rolling? But then you'll find out that that's very necessary going on into the future. And you're just spending the whole day rolling and doing workouts. And yeah, it's a pretty, uh, I remember that first, those first couple days, like, who I've never been so tired in my life. I've never been so tired. Six hours of lunges and burpees and bear crawls while you have to pee and athletic people vomiting. They're trying to break you. I've always understood. I love that we're talking. I want because this is like my dream. You're living one of my dreams right now. I, I've always heard that part of wrestling school is like they're trying to break you, and if because if you don't have it, they want to oh, yeah. break you early and get you out of there. Oh yeah, because um, the wrestling school that I'm a part of, uh, it's a uh, I, I, I don't want to give out, but it's like a very prominent person is is a trainer of. And so it's just like, this ain't a meet and greet. This is not a meet and greet. You're, you, you're taking my craft seriously. It's like a legit boot camp. You're like, I just, I want to wrestle too, man. This is not, it's like, I know you're, you're big and all, but like, I'm just, I'm here like everybody else. I, I want to wrestle, but they are trying to break you. They are like trying to weed out the weak, the weak ones and the ones who are like fans from the ones who are like serious. But yeah, it's, and you pushed Crazy. through. Crazy. And what's it like? So let me like. I did. Like, uh, for example, for any, I bet a lot of our listeners are not wrestling fans. Like a chop. This is a basic thing. Ric Flair really made him. It's known as the Flair chop mostly where you just take the back of your hand and you yeah. just whap across someone's bare chest. It makes a real loud noise. That looks like oh, yeah, such that a, was a day. That's a day. I was going to ask. Like that looks like a basic move, but. They got to just spend hours chopping the hell out of you, so get, you get used to it, huh? Oh yeah, no, it's a uh, so like like some days we'll have strike days, so you know you're you're practicing your punches, your forearms, uh, your kicks, your knees, or whatever, and then it's like all right, and you don't know what's coming, so they're just like all right, everybody take your, take your shirts off. It's like oh. Sh- and like, yep, it's time for chops. We're gonna learn chops, and then it's like, all right, here we go. We're gonna take your, uh, your first chop, and then you just like standing there. And you're like, oh my god, oh my god, don't hit my neck, please. Just like, all right, you gotta lay your chest out, lay your chest out fully. Do not, do not at all, uh, like, uh, move your chest together, or whatever, because it's just gonna make the pain worse, bud. It's just gonna, and then they do it. And it's like, oh my. Yeah, this hurts. This hurts. It's a full-on slap to the chest, and like in, in Japan, it's like a like a forearm and a slap, so it's even worse because it's just like a boom. It's just like a thud. It's just like ah, oh, goodness gracious. It's never fun. Well, that's a well-known thing. Japan, there's a lot of leagues that are known as strong style, which is effectively these people are just fighting with predetermined outcomes. But like you said, like really laying it. There's also this guy right now who I'm sure you are aware of. Um, He's in the WWE. He mostly is in their NXT UK league called Walter. His name's Walter. Yeah. Real big evil-looking bad guy. And his chops, I mean, his chops sound like someone hitting a tree with an axe. They sound horrible. Oh, yeah. You watch one of those things, I'm like, I would never want a human being to do that to me ever, one time. Yeah. And the the thing is, is like, so he has, uh, I can't remember uh, the theme that he comes out to. Oh, yeah. But it's like this orchestral theme, and he's just like walking, (laughs) he's like very pious and everything, and like, all right, this dude looks intimidating. And then they go for like a spot or whatever, and then just, and it's like, oh my god, no! And it's your dream to have that happen to you. What is it? What is so sick in your brain? What is so sick? I gotta ask it just bluntly. Every wrestler, because you're like comedians, all you're gonna sacrifice your whole life to be on the road. Your personal relationships are gonna suffer. 
you're putting yourself through physical pain in a culture that can notoriously end disastrously. People get injured, concussions, people have been paralyzed, people get addicted to pills, all sorts of stuff. What is sick in your brain that makes you want to do this? You know, normally I wouldn't be so blunt. I wouldn't say something like that because these calls are sensitive. But I know for a fact I am friends with a number of pro wrestlers and they are all sick in the brain. It's not an offensive question to a pro wrestler. Anyway, we got ads. Check them out. Use the promo codes. We'll be right back. Thanks again to everybody who advertises on Beautiful Anonymous. Now let's get back to the conversation concussions, people have been paralyzed, people get addicted to pills, all sorts of stuff. What is sick in your brain that makes you want to do this? Like I said, Chris, this isn't, I have a normal, I'm not normal. Like like what we were talking about before, it's not a normal uh, thing to go for, but I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what it is about it. I'm like a very creative person, but I love like uh, Mike Quackenbush. He uh, calls it sports combat theater and in, in a way i kind of look at it like that just because um it's like this performance that i get to create with somebody else and then it's only that one time and that's it and it's just like that one time for that crowd and even if i wrestle the same person again it's not like we're gonna go based off that same story we're not gonna do the same match all over again like it's just that one time it's one take it's just boom they go unless God forbid you're in like a taping and then you got to redo it. And it's like, no, they already saw me have this. But uh, I don't know. It's it's really weird, but I'm like obsessed with it. And uh, luckily my mom was supportive of it because it's really interesting to tell your mother like, yeah, uh, look at this video of this guy uh, going through a flaming table. I kind of want to do that. What? 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 What, are you crazy? Yeah, like, so, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just, it's, it's very appealing to me. And wow. I, I like the art. Yeah. I I know with comedy, sometimes, it's funny because sometimes I'll say like, oh, something scary. And people will go, well, you know, the number one fear most people have is public speaking. And that's what you do every night of the week, most weeks. I'm like, oh, right. My life is weird. Most people would view my life as very weird, but I'm addicted to it. Just like you said. And I so greatly identify because comedy is a similar thing where like I always try to clear my mind before a show and I'm like, all right, there's people out here. Maybe somebody's having a bad day. Maybe I can go out and get them to laugh, get them to feel a little better. And then you go out in front of that crowd and you're like, okay, this is just me with a microphone for the next 12 minutes and it's just these people and I'm going to start with the material I've practiced, but I'm going to see where it wants to go. And I'm going to adjust on my feet and adjust the set. And if there's crowd work that comes up and it's almost like surfing, it's like if you can catch that wave and you feel those people come with you, it's like for those 12 minutes, you just feel a little bit less alone in the world. And you know, they do too. And I feel like as a wrestling fan, similar thing. I feel like when you're a wrestling fan, and I've never thought about it from your perspective, but there are certain moments where an entire arena full of people will forget that this is predetermined and they will genuinely, oh, yeah. they will uh, genuinely I, root for it. And that has to be the greatest feeling in the I, world for a wrestler. Oh yeah. Rock Hogan is what I aspire for in my entire life because that match, if you watch WrestleMania 18 rock versus Hogan, it's literally 10 minutes and that crowd, that's all you want because that crowd reaction when rock hits the rock bottom one, two, Hulk uh, kids up, and he starts doing the he starts doing the Hulk Hogan like pumping up, pumping up, pumping, and the Rock's face selling it and funny like oh my, God, oh my, and the crowd's just like into it, it's like you one, two, and then does the boot, the leg drop, one, two, no, it's like oh my, see that that's what you're in it for, you know, like I I just want moments like that. You just, just want to make like those kids out there in the audience or those. Those, the, what do they call them? Hat pin Marys, the old ladies that buy the front row tickets, the, the dads yeah. with their kids. You just, you want them to forget for a while what real life is like. And you want them oh, to forget that this oh, is yeah, all a for, fantasy. Oh yeah. Forget for a while. I mean, and the thing is, is like with comedy, you want to make that person laugh and you want them to have like a great time. 
or whatever. But like sometimes your job is to be like, I'm going to have you hate me and you're going to like that guy and you're going to absolutely hate me. So I'm going to say the worst thing. Oh, I love this. I would this. never say to you in public. I would never say to you in public. But in the sense of the show, I am saying to you now, so you hate me. So you despise me. You want to see that guy beat my ass right now. Right. Let's talk about this because there's, so again, for anybody listening, and you know far more than I do, I'm not trying to act like a know-it-all, but in wrestling terminology, you're either the face, you're the face, oh yeah, you're young, you're in the game, you're not trying to come off beyond, you're doing really good at that, like any veteran wrestlers you hear this aren't going to be like, we got to track this kid down because he's a know-it-all, no way, you're just telling us your experience. Now you could be the face, who's the good guy, or the heel, who as you describe, the heel's job is to make that crowd so livid that they will keep buying tickets in the hope that they will be there on the night where that guy finally gets his face stomped in. And this is really, I oh, would, yeah. and I would say that a lot of the art side of wrestling is rooted in the heels. Like you don't have Hulk Hogan become a national icon if Rowdy Roddy Piper is not there pissing everyone off week after week, it, right. you don't get one without the other. Oh, yeah. And you look at Rick. I mean, oh, the greatest. The best. And he was the biggest piece of shit you will ever see. Just coming out in and like, look at my Rolex. Look at the women behind me. Yeah, you're jealous, aren't you? Oh, look, Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> this guy's on. Look at him. Look at him. And his promos and just... You're just jealous of Rick, but it's just like, oh my, he's, he's And then Rick Flair's a genius. Rick Flair is probably the best of all time in many people's minds. And uh, here's where he's a genius too. He comes out, like you said, he's got the Rolex, the sunglasses, the 80s bleach blonde mullet, and he's so condescending. And then yet when he gets in the ring, when he takes a couple knocks, all of a sudden he's on his knees and he's begging and he's praying and He's, yeah. he's he's groveling at the feet, praying for people to not beat him up. And then, of course, he does the cheap shot. And it's like he manages oh, yeah. to be both condescending and a coward and a backstabber. And he just makes you hate him so much. And then back in the 70s. And the, just, oh, go for yeah, it. You talk. Like, Ricky, just beat him up. Just beat him up. Oh, my God. Chi-Town Rumble. Uh, oh, my God. My favorite match of all time. Chi-Town Rumble 89. Flair oh versus Steamboat. It's a work I, of art. I, I just watched that recently. It's so good. It's I, so good. And, like, and you know it's good when it, like, goes, like, it'll last forever because, you know, a guy like me, I didn't watch that. And then you have the network where you can, like, watch this and experience it. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And this was, like, a time where... You know, the curtain, like, pulled back a little more. People get an idea. I'm not helping with the sense of being on this podcast. But, uh, like, it's just it's so good. Like, yeah. And they're not doing too much. And, and everything just means something. And it's like, oh, man. I love it so much. I would, I would wow. go so far as to say that if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know. I've never been into wrestling, but this guy's living a unique life. Maybe I'll give wrestling a shot. If you track down the Ric Flair-Ricky Steamboat match from Chi-Town Rumble 89, that that might be the one that's going to get you sucked in. It's a beautiful match. I also love, have you watched all the old uh, Tiger Mask versus Dynamite Kid matches? Oh, my, yes, yes. And you could easily watch those on YouTube, I think. Yes. I think uh, you, could, you could easily, and they're so good. And it's like, oh, man. It's you also, I mean, mark out over everything. Mark, Marking out means being okay. a fanboy, basically, right? Like being, being which is kind of yeah. not, wrestlers always say, don't be a mark. Don't be one of the people who's supposed to buy the tickets. But these but di- we're all marked. Of but course. Marked. Why would you put up with it? Why would you go around getting chopped by muscle-bound steroid freaks unless you were a mark who loved it? I'm so jealous of you. You're, I wish I was a wrestler, man. I want to quit comedy every day. And I, if I was big and strong, I'd be a wrestler. <laughs> Dynamite Kid was a British wrestler. Tiger Mask was a Japanese wrestler who literally wore a mask that looked like a tiger back in an era where this was not a very popular thing outside of Mexico to wear masks. And they started coming to America and doing, they started in Japan doing these matches that are incredible. Then there's footage of them wrestling in Madison Square Garden in the 70s. And this was an era when wrestlers were kind of like, it was mostly like big dudes who just punched and kicked and got each other in headlocks and the matches were real slow. 
these guys show up. Tiger Mask is doing like flips into karate kicks. He's jumping yeah. over the top rope. Dynamite Kid is throwing him in suplexes where he's literally going from one corner of the ring to the other. And you can feel the crowd in Madison Square Garden. You watch their match from MSG. You can feel the crowd yeah. like standing up going, oh, we're watching the future happen in front of us. This feels like science yeah, like, fiction. What is, what is going on? I like to like imagine it like, it's like the that match is like the first time like in basketball you saw somebody do like an alley hoop and you're like what what 100% what 100% there was an era in basketball where no one had seen an alley hoop and then it happened and everyone in that arena felt like they were going to pass out with disbelief and tiger mask versus dynamite kid in those american matches for the American wrestling audience, the same exact thing. You're right. Holy shit, do I love talking to you. What's the first time in front of a crowd like? Like once you, because you've said you're doing some of the tiny indie leagues now. You're 23, you're paying your dues. That first time you're in front of a paying crowd, walk me through what you're thinking psychologically. Well, psychologically, you're like, please remember everything. Like, don't, don't mess, don't like do something dumb. Like, <laughs> like if it, if you're going to do something, let it be like, oh, that was silly. But like, don't be, and like, I guess the biggest thing for me was just like, you know, make sure everybody's safe in there, you know, make sure that everybody is, you know, cause wrestling, like we're talking about the combat sport, you know, things do go wrong and you just want to make sure you do your best to make sure that. You know, you're keeping your opponent, your opponent safe, and everything like that. So that was the first time. Um, like I'm just in the back, and I'm just thinking, like, all right, this is like everything you've ever like thought of, and oh my goodness, oh my gosh, and like then like the thought hit me, like as my music was playing, I was like, wait, I'm literally that guy in a movie gonna walk out to a theme song, like, like, oh, like this so is like good. everybody, like. And it's just like, oh, it's like everybody thinks of that. Like they always think of like, yeah, man, if I was like my theme song, if I were to walk into the bar, with the, but like literally I'm about to walk out to a song in front of these people. And that literally is happening in my brain right as I walk out. And then I'm like, I walk out and I'm being like a cocky asshole. I'm like, oh, shut up. Who are you? Who are you? And I remember my first show, there was like a little girl and, I'm a very nice person, so it was, like, very hard for me to say. So I, I try to stay in character as much as I can because that's what the show wanted. And I just go up to this girl, and I'm, like, and I'm like, you're cute for a little boy. And she goes, oh, my God. And she screamed in my face, and I was, like, like rushing away from her, acting like I was scared. I was like, hey, hey, easy with that kid. Easy with that kid. That kid is terrifying. And, like, you know, but it's cool because you get to have that experience with somebody like just create this this memory and like oh like instantly and it's crazy and i but that first match was probably horrible if i were to look back on it was probably the worst um, now you know i don't want to make this about myself and i wrote about this in my the the one book i put a bad idea about to do you know i had one night where i was a manager i did have one night where i dabbled in your world Oh, no way. You have to tell me. You have to tell me. Well, this was, I was a freshman in college, and this was when wrestling was at, I mean, Stone Cold, The Rock, Mick Foley. Like, it was as big as it's ever been. Huge. And when... 20 million. One of the cool things, I think, for you guys in your position is when wrestling gets that big at the top of the food chain, they're just, all of a sudden, there's dozens of tiny shows. Like, every weekend... There's like a high school gym within driving distance of you where there's people wrestling because they know they can make money off of it because it's popular right now. And a buddy of mine who I grew up with who also loved wrestling, he had gone to a wrestling school in New Jersey run by a guy named Gino Caruso. I think a pretty well-known wrestling school in the in the tri-state area. And my buddy was a smaller guy and they were like, you know, you're working real hard, but in the meantime, why don't you become a booker for this league we're running? It was real, real small potatoes. And they did a show at Seton Hall University. My buddy calls me up and he's like, so dude, I got this opportunity and I think you need to be a part of it. Like we grew up together. We love wrestling. And he always thought I was real funny because I was in the school plays with his sister and I was always the comedic roles, Luther Billis, South Pacific, baby. So he's like, come up with a character and we'll pitch it to the, the guy who owns the league. So this guy, I get on a three-way call with them like a day or so later, and it turns out this guy is like, a, I think, agoraphobic. Is that the one where you will not leave your house? 
think it's agoraphobic. The guy was like, he just never leaves his house, but he had all this money to burn. So he's running a wrestling league. And I pitched them this character where I would be called White Magic, where I would be a pimp. I would wear a top hat and a cane and a smoking jacket. And I'd be, because, and especially back then, like you can imagine me dressed as a pimp now. When I was 20, I looked like I was like 15 years old. And then he's like, oh my God. So dude, they put me, they put, they were like, great, come do it. And there's this kid who's having his first match. And I go in the locker room and this was in an era where every wrestler was just working all the time. So dude, King Kong Bundy was there. Marty Jannetty was in the locker room. Like a lot of low key, like a lot of really well-known wrestlers. Iron Sheik was there. Yeah, it was nuts. Oh yeah. And like, yeah, for, for like those that don't know is like, uh, especially like back then there weren't like guaranteed contracts. Mm -mm. So like if there wasn't a WWE show or whatever, like they still want to get paid. They still want to be like for their services. And so they would go out to these shows and wrestle or perform just because like WWEF is off that week. So let's, you know, I got to find somewhere cause I got to pay my rent or like feed the kids. So they would go to all these shows. So yeah, I could definitely believe that's crazy. White magic, man. White so they, magic. they bring us out and I'm managing okay. this kid. This kid's terrified. It's his first match. And he's up against this local dude who'd been around a bunch named Flash Wheeler. And they told me, we want this new kid to win, but nobody's going to buy it. So we need you to hit Flash Wheeler with your cane. And I was like, I don't know about this. So Flash Wheeler comes up to me and he's like, hey, I don't know who the fuck you are. He's like, but you haven't trained in this. And if, if you hit me with that thing and hurt me, this is my career. Like, I'll mess you up, dude. And I was like, all right, man, fair. So I'm scared. I go out, they see me, they're booing, it's working, I'm loving it, I feel like I'm living my dream. People are yelling at me, I'm yelling back, like what? some guy yells at me and I'm like, do not make me hit you in front of your kids, man. Neither one of us wants that. And everybody's booing. Some other guys yelling stuff, I was like, I will slap those last two hairs off your head, Baldy, why don't you shut up? Like, really proud of my heel work, you know? Everybody's booing. Then this match happens and it's terrible. This kid, it's his first match. He's so scared. He keeps messing up. And then Flash gives me the signal that it's time to hit me with the, hit him with the cane. So I jump up on the ring apron and first I get scared and just like, don't do it. And he kind of looks at me like, what are you doing? And then I hit him and all I had in my head was him telling me, don't hurt me. So I just kind of like lightly tapped him and I could see him like rolling his eyes and then he had to sell it. He had to like roll around on the ground like it hurt and the whole crowd just started <laughs> booing me, like making fun of me. And I'll never forget when I, uh, when I went to leave, like all the mystique was gone and a kid jumped over the guardrail and stole my top hat off my head. And I was like, I need that. Hey, I need that. And it was just like, <laughs> just a disaster. And then a bunch of guys were supposed to run out because of the cheating. And one of them grabbed me and threw me back towards the locker room, but it wasn't a room. It was just like these uh, partitions set up with a curtain. And I ran into it face first and knocked right. it over. And the whole crowd saw King Kong Bundy in his underwear, and he's huge. And everyone was so mad at me. I actually just snuck out the back door before the show was over. And my brother, I, I ran out one door, and then I saw my brother running out the other. He just instinctively knew that I was going to be out of there. And he had my top hat. And I was like, how'd you get my top hat back? And he was like, that kid was like 12. I just went up to him and told him to give it to me. <laughs> yeah. I, said, I was like, I can't ever do wrestling again. I just proved this is not for me, but that's my dream. I would really, I would abandon a lot of my career if I could just be a bad guy manager in pro wrestling. I would love it so much. Like, and it's it's good, like, when, especially when you're a talker and, like, when you just feel the energy. And I think, like, comedians are, the like, the best at that or just wrestling fans in general are the best when it comes to, like, just saying, the, like, just being the worst. Just, just being burns. the absolute worst, like, when, walk out there and trying to be the bad guy like shut up shut up push shut up you shut it what and like and sometimes you have like the pg show so you got to keep a pg but then like in a lot of new york shows you can get really into it like yeah. shut up and I will, I will come into this ring come into this ring right now and see what happens <laughs> like you just Ooh. oh man it's it's wild have you ever been in a shoot situation? This is, for anyone who doesn't know, this is when a wrestling match turns real, where people start actually going at each other and the crowd maybe knows it, maybe doesn't. You ever found yourself in that situation? 
I have not, and I absolutely hate it. I absolutely hate it, especially um, um, when it's a situation where a guy's just doing it because uh, something happened. Like, I think I just saw recently, like, this, like, somebody shot on a ref just because the ref messed up. But, like, technically the ref was doing his job because he counted the three. It's not the guy's fault that he didn't really kick out or whatever. And then this guy just like suplexed him on the outside of the ring and just, and that, that's like one of those things that just infuriates me. Like, that's why I like condone like people to learn how to legit start fighting, like start learning how to legit fight to protect yourself because you never know when some crazy fan is going to come in or when some guy's going to, uh, try to be bigger than you or anything and just try to take advantage of a situation. And so that's why I always encourage like, no, learn how to legit fight because that's, oh, that just frustrates me. It makes me angry. And it's just like unnecessary at all. Ugh. Go ahead and pause there. I think that's true for all of us in all walks of life. You got to learn how to legit fight. No, not everybody does. Not everyone needs to know how to physically fight, but I get why he does. Anyway, we got ads. Check them out. Use the promo codes. We'll be right back. Thanks to all our sponsors. Now let's finish off this conversation. Learn how to legit fight because that's, oh, that just frustrates me. It makes me angry. And it's just like unnecessary at all. Ugh. Yeah. But I, I, I have not. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been in one, nor do I ever want to be. And I always uh I I really hope there is not a day where I see one cuz I I I if I get my ass beat or not, I'm I'm going in there and I'm going to give it my best shot to stop that from happening. Yeah. That's it's funny. It's one of the things that I think fans romanticize and are so enraptured by this idea of like, oh, there's a shoot happening, but being friends with a couple wrestlers, I've really gotten the sense from them. It's not a pleasant thing. It's not a cool thing. It means that there's a level of control that has gone away. And it means that there's like a feral animal in the ring that you need to tame. And it's not, it's not an enjoyable process. Yeah. Cause like the whole thing is like, this is an art and like this, this guy is like just totally taking advantage. And, um, I think in the particular video that I, one other video that I saw was like this guy who's like really huge and he's facing off against this really small dude. And I don't know what was told in the back, but, um, he's like, it's literally just shooting on him. Like from the moment the match starts, I, I, I don't know what was happening in the back, but just immediately just laying it in. And there's times where you're like, you think, Oh, like strong style or whatever. And then there's like, you instantly know, oh, wait, this shit is happening right now. And it's almost like, like, like you're saying, like a bear just like going crazy and like somebody's got to stop this dude right now. So it's just, ugh, those situations are not ever fun. I wouldn't, oof, no way. I, I, oof, not fun. Now, let's go ahead. A lot of people are going to be shocked by this. Tell me as a starting out wrestler, What's the pay range like for you to go to a city and have a match? Oh, man. Oh, man. People will hear it and they'll be like, are you fucking kidding me? Sorry, Sally. Um, (laughs) They will lose their... their... So the lowest I've been paid was like $5. $5? You? That was pretty much the lowest I was paid. You've um, gone, and how far did you have to drive to be in that match? And, uh, two hours, so it wasn't, it wasn't awful. <laughs> yes, it was. It, it was <laughs> you drive two hours and they pay you, did you say $5 and a hot dog? Well, I'm just saying $5. I bought a hot dog with the $5. From the concession stand, so they made back buck seventy five. Yeah, yeah. The hot dog was not included in the uh, uh, five dollar arrangement. They gave you. You drove two hours. They gave you five dollars, and they made you pay for the hot dog. Yes. <laughs> what happened? Did like no one show up? So they didn't really. I could, I could feel like 
every listener's eyes just rolling like, oh my gosh, even you're doing this, like, just oh man! So I've heard these though. stories, and even I didn't expect you to say five dollars. Jeez! Yeah, I mean that was like that was like the extreme of extremes, and that was like when I was first starting out, and it was just that was one of those things where you're just like, man, that's oh, all right. But like, I just looked at it from a perspective of like it was. I guess you look back on it now, and it's just like, yeah, man, that's crazy. But at the time, I was just like man, like I'm really doing something that like overall makes me happy. Cause like, obviously I don't make a living off of pro wrestling. I'm very new. And I have like, I am a burrito robot. Uh, cause I work at Chipotle. Uh, so, <laughs> so, but, uh, <laughs> you, know, cause you gotta get, you gotta get that free p- protein. Uh, so, you know, you just gotta, um, but I looked at that situation and I was just like, man, you know what, this is, this is crazy. Like I, I'm doing something that I actually love. And so you look at the $5 and you're just like, okay. Like, but now you're like, you think about it. Now you're like five bucks, like five bucks for a two hour drive late at night. And you think you're going to like hit a deer halfway through driving in the snow. You're like, Oh my God, let's just get home. Let's just get home. And, but yeah, two hour drives are nothing to me anymore. Like they're, like 30 minute drives to me like what's I the longest I, you've driven for a gig before. what's the longest you've been out on the road well i did like a road trip where it was like around so we went from chicago to um i think it was atlanta to canada back to like indianapolis <laughs> to Chicago <laughs> and that was a whole weekend of just driving Atlanta like, to Canada I, yeah I was like isn't this weird how we're going pretty far south to completely <laughs> pass like to the north northern border just like Whoa! and it's just like oh my all right and then you, you don't even think about it because you, you're just like that's like kind of where you start like gaining your best friends and everything just because you're talking about like everything live and everything. But like, and you think about wrestling and you do a show and then you got to drive to you get in your seat, whatever. And now you have to drive to Canada from Atlanta <laughs> and all the adrenaline you have. And you're like, yeah, this is so fun. This is so fun. And then you're just sitting in your car and you're like constantly moving because your back is hurting and you're like, Oh my God, this is the actual worst. This is the worst. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that is one that I, I think that was probably the biggest span of, I, I can't dial the hours because it was literally a full weekend, but yeah, that's pretty much a lot of protein bars. Uh, yeah. Driving to Canada like, for $5. Yeah. They pay you more than $5 on that trip, that's- right? <laughs> not for five, not $5 in that trip, but I have heard stories of like guys, driving like 16 hours for 20 bucks and then you're like it's crazy but it also depends on the opportunity because if you're working for a bigger show and they give you that amount but you get exposure and like you get booked on more shows then it may help you out in the future then again i don't know i'm very new i'm a rookie i'm a green boy so i i can't fully um fully uh indulge on that but like yeah, I've, I've definitely heard other stories like that. And it's pretty wild. It's pretty crazy. But, you know, uh, family's okay with it. So Really? Talk to me about that because I think a lot of – I would imagine a lot of the wrestlers you meet, their families are not okay with it. Um, su- Surprisingly, um, <coughs> at, at, the more younger you are, the more your family seems okay with it. And I think that was like my uh, – <laughs> kind of like my mother's way of putting it because uh, I was around, I was 20 years old when I first started uh, like thinking about it. And I obviously told her before I like applied and I was like, yeah, um, I'm really thinking of doing this. And, you know, like I just want to like hear your thoughts because like I respect your opinion and everything. And uh, she was just like, well, you're young, so you get to do this. 
you get to do this. You get to live your life because there's like no point. And I, my mom is like super cool. So like she was like, you get, you get to live your life. Like you're young, you get to do this and you know, there'll be mistakes and there'll be failures on the way, but you're, you're 20. Like I wish I could have done like, like had this idea when I was 20 and just like gone out and did it, you know, for no reason. So my mom was very, very cool about that. And then you hear other stories, you're like, man, that's, that sucks. But uh, usually most, I think most parents get excited the more they see you perform, the more that it's like they see you're a part of the show and everything. They're like, oh, like that's my, that's my kid. And then they see you get happy. Like, that's my kid. Oh my God. Oh, be safe, honey. You're like, oh, shut up. I'm the bad guy here. And this is, yeah. <laughs> I'm the bad guy here. That's cool. It sounds like you got a great mom. Yeah, no, she's, she's, she's my rock. She is, uh, well, into wrestling. I don't want to say she's, she's your Dwayne Johnson. Uh, yeah, she's my Dwayne Johnson. Smell what she's cooking. Um, but <laughs> yeah, she's, she's been the, she's been the absolute best. My older brother is also the absolute best because he was, he's a huge, huge wrestling fan as well. And we were definitely those kids that were, just walking around Walmart or Target or anything in like the Chicago area, just beating the crap out of each other. My mom's like, "Hey, sell it, right now! Hey, hey!" I'm like, "Mom, Stone Cold Steve Austin did it. It's fine." It's like, "No, I definitely got in trouble in fifth grade um, for doing uh, for like doing the middle finger like up and down, and also I got in trouble for wearing a Latino heat shirt in fifth grade." Uh huh. The great Eddie Guerrero. Yes. It, yeah, I was wearing a Latino heat shirt, and they were like, uh, I'm going to need you to go to the office. Uh, and I was like, what? What? Well, I just said my name. We'll and um, I got you. And so she was like, um, she goes, I go to the office. And I'm like, what's the problem? And she's like, um, look at your shirt. And it's just Latino heat, and it's just Eddie. And he's like doing the most, like, cut, uh, he has like a cutout shirt of himself. He just has a rose in his mouth, and it's just like, What's the problem? It's like everything, everything's wrong with this. You say Latino, it says Latino in your shirt. You're in fifth grade. I'm, I'm going to need you to take the, the, like, I'm going to need you to go home and change. And it's like, okay, fine. Uh, I'll call my mom, I guess. And my mom was just like, really? Because my mom, my grandmother would dress me or uh, she would just drop me off when she wouldn't dress me, but she would just drop me off. So, the conversation that my mom and grandmother had that night was just like, are you serious? You're going to let him walk to school or go to school in that shirt? And she's like, I, I'm sorry. I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man. But, yeah, crazy times. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but, yeah, my mom and my brother are the absolute best. My brother's a huge wrestling fan. Huge. He, he always feels the need to ask me a million questions, which I appreciate, but also you got a little key, keep a kayfabe with him. Kayfabe. Uh, kayfabe is the idea that you don't break character or the reality. And back in the day, it was taken to the point where there's all these legendary stories that if uh, they kept kayfabe so hard that like if someone came up to a wrestler in a bar and said you, what you guys do is fake, that they would fight them on the spot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was like huge back in the day because like, and, and I think it is not not in the sense of like we're gonna brawl now, but um, in the sense of like guys just going out there and like people questioning what we do um, as fake. It's sports combat theater, so what we do is, I mean, if you put anybody out there, it it hurts. It's not uh, it's not the fun. I mean, there's a lot of adrenaline that's going through us. So we really feel it like towards the end of the night. Um, but it's very real in some senses. And I like to tell people all the time, I, I guess now like WWE says sports entertainment, sports entertainment, um, because, you know, the the lines have been blurred, uh, clear or whatever. And just, uh, <clears throat> and just like everyone now, kind of has an idea so i always just go like dude the avengers is not like when the scene in endgame happens and you you are like ah, 
And like all the craziness is happening. That stuff that you feel, you know, it's not real, right? But it's awesome. And let's just be a part of this awesome moment. And that's like kind of how I explain wrestling to people is just like, just be a fan of it. Don't like question the idea or like, it's not UFC. Well, no, we're performers. I don't want to legit go one-on-one with someone and then like, try to not get my face caved in. I want to tell a story. Right. But yeah. It's a play. It's effectively a play where the story is very, very simple and easy to understand. There's a good guy and a bad guy, and they want you to root for the good guy. And there might be a lot of creative and funny moments where they make you really wonder how it's going to win or where maybe the bad guy wins and you realize, oh, this is just a step in a larger story. I got to buy a ticket and come back next week too to see how the story unfolds. It's just a play. Yeah, it's just like a, like some of my favorite scenes are like the the times or favorite moments are like the times when everybody's in the ring and everybody's being the crap of everyone, just like just just an all out brawls happening. Like I think uh, there was a like any Stone Cold pop, um, a pop is a loud reaction from the crowd. Uh, I'm I feel like Merriam Webster of wrestling just telling all these <laughs> but uh the so the idea of so like Mick it was Mick Foley versus The Rock in 99 I think it was like January 4th it was like that huge episode where the tides changed in the Monday Night War and uh Billy Gunn goes and tackles uh I can't remember who he tackled but then Everyone's kind of fighting on the inside. It's Rock versus Mankind for the championship. And then all of a sudden, Stone Cold's music hits, and you hear the biggest pop ever. And just that crowd reaction and just walks into the ring. Bam. And it's like those those moments are, like, insane. Or, like, when Kurt, Kurt Angle does the uh, sprays, everybody with the milk truck. And I just love those moments. Kind of like I love the moments like you see in that, like in Endgame when you see all the portals open up and then they're chasing down. Like, I, I love those moments. Like, the that it's almost better than the battle is like the before, the anticipation to build to it. And that's what I love about wrestling is like a lot of it is, is like a build up to a fight that you're telling a story about, not like Conor McGregor just doing it in a press conference or something like that. And just like, oh, so that's, yeah, fuck you, man. But like, it's just like, yeah, but that's like the best part of it, honestly. It's the best. They just, <laughs> just a few months, maybe, a, I don't know, I think less than a year ago, there was one that caught my attention. They got this guy, Braun Strowman, really huge. And they did that thing where they had the backstage camera following him and, He's cha- I forget who it was. Like he was beaten up on a guy, and they threw the guy in an ambulance, and then they had him run up, and they rigged it so that they oh, sh- yeah. they shot it really creatively, where you couldn't see like the hydraulic rig, but they made it look like this guy picked up an entire ambulance over his head and flipped it. And, I was just watching it. I'm like, man, wrestling is so fun. It's the most fun thing to yeah, watch. Yeah. If you just like, if you just like, forget like, if you just take out the idea like fake in your head you just watch watch it whether how ridiculous it can be it, it can just be so fun to watch and i specifically remember that moment and i was in the uh, like kind of like the frat house and watching that that specific segment and bronze going for it and like we're all wrestlers but we're all wrestling fans still so one of my buddies is just screaming <laughs> like you dream, you dream you know, of having like, that one moment where you get to feel like a superhero and where people react to you like you are one. I get it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I exactly. get why you're chasing yeah. this. So what do you think? What are the odds that you uh, rise through the ranks? We got a minute left. I want to hear the prognosis of where you think you're at versus oh. where you want to be. Well, I want to, I want to be really effing good. Um, I know it's going to take a while to get there because I'm, I'm still green. I'm still new and, uh, I'm kind of wrestling in like these lower promotions, but I definitely, the goal is to, to be where 
be able to make a living off of it. I do not want to be folding burritos anymore. That would be fantastic. Um, and I don't, Oh, speaking of it, no, we only have a minute. I don't want to be like, we know, I don't say guac is extra. People already know that, but, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely want to just be, I, I, people, a lot of people say I want to be the best, but I just want to be really effing good and like, just create the best moments. I guess that's, uh, my goal with it but thank you so much Chris for talking this has been truly an awesome conversation I've uh, always wanted to have it because we're both wrestling fans and what a awesome joy and it was, yeah I wish you what nothing but the best Great I hope you win the IWGP championship before your life is over and uh, I feel like you've said it twice maybe yeah. your nickname should be really effing good maybe that needs to be your catchphrase <laughs> I think I yeah yeah, maybe, maybe. I want to thank that uh, young wrestler for calling in. I Feel free to not use my idea. I could tell you a non-plus by it. That's fine. You'll come up with your own thing, and I hope it brings you to the heights of superstardom. Thank you to Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth. Thank you, Shellshag, for the music. Want to know more about me and when I'm out on the road, chrisgeth.com. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. It really helps when you do. We'll see you next time. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. I understand that you all immediately stripped down to complete nudity and got into a bathtub together. <laughs> Pardon me for reiterating. I feel like for anybody listening to this, I'm asking the same questions. How does that feel comfortable? I feel like there ain't nothing that another woman got that I don't got. They got titties, I got titties. They got vaginas, I got vaginas. So I'm just like, you know what? We're in Miami, YOLO. Let's just get naked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't even lie. I was the last one to get yes, naked. You were. <laughs> we all got I was titties and vaginas. I was Let's like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to get undressed. And they're like, come on, get naked. I'm like, okay, peer pressure. <laughs> and you're going out to a club tonight. Yes, we are ready to get wasted. <laughs> That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.